0: Jesus praying, I think it was one of the most mysterious, beautiful things when it kind of pops up to us in Scripture, Uh, because, you know, Jesus is God, and so he's like praying to himself in the Trinity, and it's like this, it's hard to understand, but I love it when it happens. Just in that idea of prayer, you know, we see Jesus all over the Scriptures, even at times retreating from his public ministry to being actively proclaiming the kingdom of God, and he goes away for a time kind of for a little retreat. And he disappears from the people, he goes in the mountain to pray, to kind of rejuvenate himself, and then he comes back. And likewise, priests, seminarians, religious, were actually required by the law of the church to take a yearly retreat for at least five or so days. Uh, Father Downing just took his this last week. Um, So even as a seminarian, we did this, and I remember my first year as a seminarian, when I was studying up in St. Paul, Minnesota, we had an upcoming eight-day silent retreat, which I was very intimidated about. And so we were you know, going on the bus from St. Paul all the way past Sioux Falls, South Dakota, a few hours past that, to this very remote area, uh, this retreat house called Broomtree. Uh, it's a beautiful place, uh, just kind of in the middle of nowhere. And on these retreats, typically these dioceses or seminaries where guys study to be priests, will kind of get this very revered holy priest or speaker to kind of give daily conferences to the retreatants to kind of guide them through in their prayer, what they're thinking about. And the retreatant, the man leading it, his name was Monsignor John And He was from Scranton, Pennsylvania, had a thick accent. I remember the first time I saw him, the first thing that popped in my mind was, man, he's old. <laughs> like, you just like, sometimes you just like, wow, okay. Yeah, age has aged him. <laughs> you know. uh, but he was so holy just had a a way of speaking. He would kind of like shuffle around, the old man shuffle. And then he would get up to the the podium, the ambo, where he would give the daily conferences to us. He would grab the sides forcefully, and he would go from like old man pose to like just fully, you know, like he just worked out or something. And then he would just start yelling at us, but like, like a fatherly yelling, like he was just giving us this truth, just opening the scriptures and almost speaking the words of God to us. One of the first questions he posed to us that has kind of stuck with me since, he asked us, To whom is the mature prayer of a Christian made? You, being a Christian, when you pray, who are you addressing your prayer to? Instinctively so. So we all kind of answered in our hearts. You could do the same now if you want. Typically, the go to answer is Jesus, of course. But that was his point. He said, No. When we look at scriptures, when we look to Jesus, right, the Son of God, the most perfect prayer, or the guy that prays that's ever been, Right? who does he pray to? He always prays to his Father. Right? It's always Father, and he teaches us that today, saying, our Father. So our church, our tradition, uh, she lays out three kind of main modes of prayers or expressions of prayer, if you will. Uh, the first is kind of what we're doing right now at this Mass, right? With our Father's Hail Marys. It's called vocal prayer. It's the most basic, just realizing that God speaks to us and we speak to him. It involves all of our senses, our body, our soul. Prayers like our Father, the Hail Mary. Simply speaking and conversing with him how your day was. The second type of prayer is meditation. Our catechism says meditation is a quest above all of the mind seeking to understand the why and the how of the Christian's life in order to respond to it to apply it to your own heart, right? To allow yourselves to be formed to it. So for example, you know, Christmas time is coming up. Maybe you open the scriptures and use your imagination to start thinking of what the nativity would have been like, to be there yourselves, what that means to you right now in this moment, whatever you're going through. And the final type of prayer is contemplation, which we say is the summit of prayer, the summit of unity with the Lord. To the point where words and images actually kind of start to fade away. And it's just you and him using a term that maybe our you know, middle schoolers use, vibing. right? Just vibing with Jesus, right? You're just kind of there with him. Um, St. Teresa of Avila says contemplative prayer, in my opinion, is nothing else than a close sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. For those that are married, you know, there's moments where you talk as a couple where you're thinking about things in your life, how to do with your kids, and this and that. But then there's also moments where you might just be staring into each other's eyes in complete silence, just being with each other. That's kind of like contemplative prayer. What I love about these three you know, expressions of prayer and our catechism is actually the little preamble uh, that comes before it, which I'd like to quote for you. It says this, "'Prayer is the life of the new heart, it ought to animate us at every moment. But we tend to forget him who is our life and our all. This is why the saints, those holy people of old, insist that prayer is a remembrance of God, often awakened by the memory of heart. We must remember God more often than we even draw breath. And of all the different ways of praying, of breathing, you could say as a Christian, our church has retained three major expressions. Vocal, meditation, meditation. And contemplation, but all these share one basic trait: the composure of heart. That little phrase at the end is kind of stuck with me the last few days. The composure of heart—you could say the composure, the maturity of the heart of Jesus, right—the perfect prayer, which he shows us himself today in the gospel. To focus on that for but a moment, to see how that kind of maybe applies to us in our own lives. And I think a good place to reflect on that is by going back to that question kind of posed by that holy old priest from Scranton, Pennsylvania. To whom is a mature Christian prayer made? He gave us the answer. Right? Jesus gives us the answer to the Father. But to ask yourself, when I pray, who do I pray to? What's the answer for you personally? You could also ask the converse, like who do I pray to the least? You know, sometimes we could forget about the Holy Spirit or maybe we're not praying to marry our mother as much as we should. She always brings us to Jesus. And then I keep going, right? We could do the same thing for prayer itself. When I pray, how do I pray? You know, do I have a great devotion and love for praying the rosary? You know, am I faithful to attending Mass? Do I pray just conversing with the Lord when I wake, when I go to sleep, right, as a family? And these questions, uh, basic as they are, I could think can serve as a wonderful litmus test to kind of check in on, on how we're doing as Christians we can imagine, you know, if a kid only ever talked to their mom about the things going on in their lives, right, their struggles, their joys, their desires, their hopes, but they never shared any of that with their dad, you know, I think we could say that that familial relationship is not living up to its fullness, its most fruitfulness. It's a little stunted. It's not healthy. Or if that same child only ever asked just for material things, nothing else, right, never developed a real relationship with their parents, even as they grew older, we would say that that child actually never matured, despite their age. Right? They may even be selfish, right? Just using that relationship as sort of like utilitarian. So we as humans, you know, we, we form habits. It's in our nature, for good or ill. But sometimes these habits, even in our spiritual lives, in our prayer, kind of get stuck in a little rut. We could feel we're, we're starting to plateau for a while, and maybe just coasting, right? But by asking these questions, by kind of going back to that quote, right, of the catechism, right, even said itself, we tend to forget him who is our life and our all. We must remember him more often than we breathe. To ask yourself, who do I pray to and how do I pray? Is the Father, is the Son, is the Spirit, is God inviting me to go deeper with him in ways that I've never experienced before, in ways that may be uncomfortable to me, maybe? Do I have the courage to ask Jesus right now in this Mass, to teach me how to pray, to teach me how to go deeper, just as the apostles did. And then when he does teach you, because he's will, he will, uh, the courage should come, right? The courage to actually do it, Uh, to ask so that we can receive, to seek so that we can find, and to knock so that the door may be opened.